Can I just follow up from what Nigel was saying in terms of welcoming the students? Um, again, very warm welcome to you guys. Uh, you're very welcome here. Uh, from, from someone who uh, went to university in Coventry, can I just say that these are some of the most important years of your life? Um, and can I encourage you to, to make a church your home very soon? Uh, whether that's here, you are very welcome here. If that's somewhere else as well, then go with our blessing as well. But make somewhere your home uh, very, very quickly. Uh, don't, don't spend months and months going around lots of different churches. Make somewhere your home very quickly. Uh, it's an important place. Uh, the church is your family um, and it's the, the place to be. So, so make that a priority, guys. So we're going through a series on people who met Jesus. Um, the, the previous talks that we've had are available on iTunes and also on our website. Uh, so, so far we've gone through Simeon, Matthew and John the Baptist. Uh, today we're looking at the paralytic in uh, Mark 2. So can you turn to Mark 2, please? I've done it nice and big for you, Nigel, with the glasses and so on, you see. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the beds on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So all of these characters that we see here encounter Jesus. um, And they had a view that was shaped by their encounter with him. Uh, This morning, I want us to put ourselves in the position of all of these uh, people that we've just read about so that we can see who Jesus is this morning as well. So the first group is the many, the all. That's supposed to be a crowd on that picture. It's the best one that I could find without a huge copyright sign across it. Um, Jesus had been going around preaching the gospel and had been healing people of all kinds of diseases and sicknesses, such as leprosy. Uh, He'd been casting out demons, and he also called his first disciples, Simon, Andrew, James, and John. Uh, Here we we see that he returns to Capernaum. And you can just imagine the buzz that that was going around this place as they heard that Jesus was returning. Uh, Perhaps it's similar to when we hear that a celebrity is going to be coming into, into our town. Uh, I know that a few of you are avid uh, Strictly Come Dancing fans. 
Um, and imagine Robbie Savage, for example. He's a, he's a local to Wrexham. Um, imagine that he does well on Strictly Come Dancing. I don't know if he will do after his performance on Friday night. Um, but imagine he does do well and he uh, then comes back to Wrexham. You can imagine the buzz that goes around Wrexham and uh, perhaps some of you ladies, you know, do your makeup and you want to go and see him. And perhaps you, you dream that he's, he's going to see you, he's going to catch your eyes. Uh, perhaps he's going to say something to you. Uh, but here we've got someone much better than Rob, Robbie Savage, you'll be glad to hear. Um, the news of the, the miracles Jesus had performed had, uh, had reached through the land, and here he was re- returning to Capernaum, to a place that he was known. Um, the gospel had, had spread about someone who, who could heal the sick, cast out demons, and there was this strange thing going on where people were getting up and just following this man. So there was gossip spreading throughout the place. Some people perhaps would have wondered if Jesus was a prophet. Uh, Some may have wondered if he could perhaps be the Messiah. Others that he was some kind of magician. Some others might have thought that he was a con man. Um, Or in this case, some people might have thought that he was blasphemer. Whoever they thought that he was, there was an intrigue and um, quite a, a buzz that was going around as they heard who Jesus was. Wherever he went, Christ came out to gather to see him, uh, to hear him, or even brought the sick to be healed. As he returns again here, large crowd is gathering. They all have got this question in their minds, who is Jesus? And that's what we want to do this morning, is to try and find out who Jesus is. Maybe you've heard about Jesus, maybe uh, you've heard his name being used in vain on TV or or perhaps your friends, um, or, or even those words have come through your lips as well. Uh, maybe you might have seen Jesus as a story uh, that's told about at Christmas of this little baby, um, and so you, you just enjoy the presents that you have. Perhaps you know, you, uh, know of this Jesus who means that you can have an Easter egg, uh, which is a great thing. Um, perhaps you went to, to church as a kid and remember some of the Bible stories. Perhaps you just think he's a good teacher. Um, but you've all perhaps got a view of who this Jesus is. So I want us to, to join the crowd and look and see who Jesus is this morning and see what we can learn from them as well. So the first thing that I think was important is that this crowd came to Jesus. We've got to go to him. We can't just sit back, actually. We've got to go to him and engage with him. So often perhaps we, we hear of people who've uh, got their own views of Jesus, but they've never actually explored who he is. Uh, we did it, do a course called Christianity Explored, which really does that. It shows you who Jesus is, and then you make up your mind on who he is. And that's what we need to do. We just need to go, and we need to seek Jesus out. He's not hard to find, and he wants us to come near to him. So we see that there's a, a large crowd who are gathered wanting to see Jesus. This crowd was so large that the paralytic man uh, couldn't go anywhere near him. And I long for days when this place would be like that as well, where actually we would have to come really early if we want to get a seat. Wouldn't that be great? And wouldn't it be fantastic that, you know, whilst we're preaching, if someone was lowered down because they want to get in here? Perhaps the university wouldn't be too pleased and perhaps we'd have a big bill for it, but it would be great, wouldn't it, if people are... <laughs> Phil's going to pay the bill. Um, but wouldn't it be great, actually, if if this place is filmed, and people are, are hustling and bustling to try and come in here. You know, a crowd like that one behind me. So we've, we've got a vision, as you heard earlier, to see churches planted throughout mid and north Wales. But we want a strong base here in Wrexham as well. We want this to be a large place. 
We're not doing that for our own glory. We're doing it for Jesus. We want to spread his name throughout this land. And how are we going to do that? Are we going to build this massive church by going and stealing lots of people from other churches? No. Our primary vision is to, is to see people saved and added into this church. So we need to go and we need to see Jesus. We look at this and we, we wonder perhaps how such a huge crowd are gathered there. And I want to suggest it's very simple. A few people talked about Jesus and told some other people. And actually, that's, that's what we need to do. We're never going to grow if we don't tell people about Jesus. But who knows what could happen if each of us told one person about Jesus. As Jesus went from place to place, he brought his kingdom wherever he went. There were healings that broke out here and there. We see that demons were, were fleeing in his presence. And we see that people continue to, to make this decision, I'm going to follow him. I want to follow after Jesus. And I want to encourage us to do exactly the same, to seek his kingdom, pray for the sick, cast out demons, and see people follow Jesus. People will want to come here and hear of this Jesus that we talk about if we're doing these things as well. This preaching series is all about people who meet Jesus. Therefore, uh, you can expect that if you invite people to come here on a Sunday, we will be preaching about Jesus and they will know about him. So let's just tell people. Let's you know, be bold and just tell someone, come along and hear about this man. I also just want to touch on the phrase here in verse 4, they couldn't get near him due to the crowd. The scene was, was a huge crowd that was gathered to see Jesus. And I think that's an amazing picture of this wonderful crowd. Um, but in the midst of it, there's a man who can't get near Jesus because of the crowd. And I think it's wonderful for us to be captivated with Jesus. And I must say that actually during that worship time, I was just a little bit awestruck. Um, and Fleur knows that I'm not stuck for words all that often, but I was a little bit stuck for words as I just gazed at, at this wonderful Jesus. And actually, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be captivated by Jesus. But also, we need to enable other people to be captivated by Jesus as well. We find that perhaps this, this crowd was so focused on him that they didn't see that there was a guy who wanted to get near Jesus as well. And actually, let's, let's make it... Um, let's make it it's our vision to actually see others come to him too. So whether it's you know, visitors on a Sunday morning, being attentive to them, uh, like Denzel does, for example. If, I don't think there's a, a visitor who gets through those doors without Denzel knowing who they are. Um, Denzel often says to me, uh, there's this person, there's this person, and tells me a little bit about them every, every Tuesday when we gather. And actually, we should be like that. We should make, make it our place to welcome people into the, the place of God. But also... We should do that in our worship. We should encourage other people to, to come and to press into worship, to be captivated by Jesus as we gather. In our connect groups, we need to do that as well. We should be encouraging each other, come, come to him this morning. And when we, when we are perhaps in the week, you know, rather than uh, talking about our, our dribble and so on and talking about the mundanities of life, why don't we stir each other and say, are you coming on Sunday to, to gather to Jesus? Yeah, sure. 
Uh, Ralph's just asked me to explain what connect groups are because there's a, a few new people this morning. Uh, connect groups are our midweek meetings that uh, we just gather in people's homes uh, really to, to apply um, this into our lives. The Word of God is, is not to be something that's empty, but something active. And actually, we, we look at putting that into our lives. We worship Jesus together. Um, it's a great way to get to know each other. And also, we, we have social events to invite non-Christians in as well. Um, so if you want to know a bit more about those, or if you want uh, to, to go to one of those, please see me afterwards, and we can, can talk about that. Thanks for the prompting, Ralph. Um, but actually, we should be st- stirring each other to do that. Can you imagine how ex- explosive our, our times would be together if all that we're doing is to, to be poking each other and encouraging each other to, to be captivated with Jesus? That's what we're called to do, is to, to spur each other on. I want to look at the, the next group now. I want to look at the four men. Uh, this is a picture that's been stolen from uh, a children's Bible that we've got at home. Um, it's, it's the only thing I can read, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> This, this group of people, I want to uh, say that they're a wonderful group, actually. Uh, we're not told much about these four, but all that we're told is that they carried a paralytic man to Jesus. And then when they were faced with a barrier, uh, they, they took a roof off in order to get this guy close to Jesus. Uh, they're a pretty amazing bunch, actually. Um, these four men had carried that paralytic man to Jesus, and they, they knew that this man was in need of Jesus. They knew that, um, that actually this man's disability was not his primary need. He needed to get ne- near to Jesus. So often we can perhaps care for the sick well, and that's something we should do in terms of provide meals, go around and see them. Um, where we've got doctors here as well, don't stop your jobs. Keep doing that, you do a good job. Um, but actually, we'll never meet the primary need if all we do is meet the practical needs. We need to get people close to Jesus, and that's what these four guys did. Um, the paralytic man was helpless. He couldn't get near to Jesus himself, so these four picked him up and carried him to Jesus. Well, that's a wonderful picture, and actually that's something that we need to be doing as well. And actually it reminds me of, uh, of the time when I didn't know Jesus, and actually it was my parents and their friends who carried me to Jesus. They continued to, to pray for me, to come to know him. They continued to share the gospel faithfully with me. And at the age of nine, I gave my life to Christ. And actually, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be praying for people. We need to be pointing them to Jesus, just like these four faithful people here. And actually, I think that sometimes we perhaps underestimate our role in bringing people to Christ. Uh, these were just four men who carried a guy to Jesus. Um, but however, one man couldn't have done it himself. If you look at that picture, if it had just been one guy, it would have been one guy dragging someone to Jesus. <laughs> if it had just been two, again, the same would have taken place. It had to be four people carrying a corner in order to take this guy to Jesus. And actually, that's all we're called to do is to, to pick up a corner and take someone to Jesus. We often perhaps look at the big time evangelist. And we think, if only we had a great evangelist like that here in Gateway Church. Perhaps we think that thousands of people would gather here and we'd see thousands saved. I want to suggest that we wouldn't see any of that if we didn't play our part also. An evangelist is not a a lone ranger, a big-time celebrity who comes to to the church in order to, to bring thousands in. Actually, they're a gift to the church 
to equip us to evangelize. And actually, we'll have the, um, the privilege of having Terry Hotchkiss with us in a, in a few weeks' time. And that's what he'll be doing. He's not coming to, uh, to be a lone ranger and bring thousands to Christ. He's coming to equip us as a church to go out and to evangelize. We often hear of, uh, stories of thousands of people coming to Christ. You know, you, uh, you can perhaps be encouraged as you hear these stories from all over the nations. But actually, sometimes, um, if we're honest, it disappoints us because we, we're not seeing that here. But I want to actually encourage us that we're playing our part. And that's all we're called to do, is to play our part. Um, so whether, whether you've got a friend, a family member, a colleague, or a husband that you, you want to see come to Christ, all you're called to do is to do your part. You're not called to just pick up one corner and drag them to Christ. It's to, to take your corner and do your bit. What we've got is that uh, to come to Jesus, people are moving from a point of no awareness of Jesus through a process of increasing awareness of him. They perhaps become interested in him, investigate more about him, grasp something about Jesus, the gospel, understand their own sin, their need for a saviour, turn from their sins and follow Jesus. Actually, that's quite a big process that goes on. And this might take place in, in a day or it might take place over a lifetime. It's a sovereign work of God that's going on in that person. And the wonder of it all is that God calls us to play a part in that. He calls for us to be the ones to tell people. But we don't have to beat ourselves up if not everyone makes all of that process at one time. We just play our part like these guys. Uh, We're not sharing the gospel on a a bonus scheme you'll be glad to to hear. Um, For example, it could be that Nigel only brought four people to Christ last month, whereas Silas actually brought 4,000 people to Christ last week. He's done very well. So therefore, Jesus has decided that the company car of uh, the Aston Martin goes to Silas for this month, and Nigel has a chance to, to get that Aston Martin next month if he works particularly hard. So, yes, <laughs> you might get a skateboard, apparently. Um, however, we all play an equal role. God does not luck in those ways. We're called to play our parts. And that's what we need to be doing. And I think so often we get caught up wanting to look at results. It's not about results. It's about glorifying Jesus and pointing people closer to him. I think something else that's striking about these four men is their faith. And that's what is striking to Jesus in this. We see in verse 5 that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I think we're reminded in that passage of the importance of faith. In Matthew 8, we find that a centurion comes to Jesus and he asks for his servant to be healed. Jesus tells him that that person is healed because of his faith. And he goes one step further and says that that centurion's faith is greater than any man in Israel. And we find that he's not even near that, that sick servant, but the person's healed. That's, that's in, something incredible going on there. But he says it's because of the faith of the centurion. When Jesus sees our faith, it is like the most wonderful sweet-smelling sweet smelling incense to him. As we find in, in Hebrews 11... Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I think that's a, a phrase that we know very well. But basically what it's saying here is that faith pleases Jesus as it demonstrates our trust in him. 
If we're assured of things hoped for and have a conviction of things that are not yet seen, it implies that we have an understanding of the greatness of our God and his power to change all situations. And surely that can only be pleasing to him, that we're trusting in him. Faith is something that steers us into action. We can't have faith and do nothing, just as James says. We have to have works that demonstrate our faith. If we just say one thing and don't do it, that's not faith. Faith is doing something. I want to say that that with this guy, um, all the pictures that I found of the paralytic guy, is quite a small guy, um, but we we don't know. He could have been quite a big guy. For all we know, he might have been the size of of Phil Harmon, and it would have... uh, it would have taken a lot of effort to, to take this guy close to Jesus. <laughs> you can take from that what you want. Um, <laughs> so what we've got is that actually it required action and it required hard work to get this man close to Jesus. And that's what faith is. The faith is perseverance and it's hard work and it's pressing on. I want to suggest that if we believe that God is able to heal people, then we should be praying for people to be healed. I'm not excluding myself from this. Um, often I really do chicken out of it. Um, but actually, if, if we don't believe that God is able to heal people, it's fine, we don't have to pray for people. But if we do, then we need to pray for people, which is quite a challenge for us, actually. In here we find that um, there might be objections that people would throw at praying for people, and um, they would perhaps say that they, they want to pray for someone to be healed and they weren't healed. So therefore, I'm not going to pray for someone again. Um, and they might say that if you're telling me that I should step out and that I should uh, believe in faith that this person will be healed, um, that I'm implying that they had a lack of faith the previous time. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if people aren't healed, then it's due to your lack of faith. Um, I think that Catherine Coleman is quite helpful with this. She testified, no one really knows how I hurt inside when a service is over and I see those who have come in wheelchairs leaving in the same wheelchairs in which they came. But the answer, I must leave with God. Actually, we see some healed and we don't see some healed. But we're going to see more people not healed if we don't pray for people. So actually, our encouragement here is, is to go and start praying for people. In Matthew 17, Jesus says to us, that the faith the size of a mustard seed is enough to move a mountain. So if you've got a little bit of faith this morning, that's great. Go and pray for someone. These men also didn't allow obstacles to prevent them bringing people to Jesus. I want to, again, just say how wonderful I think these guys were, that they, they didn't stop. They didn't just get to the door and think, there's a massive crowd, sorry, mate, we're going home. What they did was that they kept on pushing in, they knew that Jesus was the one who's the answer. And sometimes we just need to press in. We need to run to Jesus. And actually, I've been a bit hit by this this week, that you know, perhaps I've been thinking about a lot of different things this week. Some of you, some of you know we're, we're moving. Uh, we've, we've been told that we need to move out of our property. So uh, we've been looking at where our next property is. And I keep on going on to the iPod, going on to right move, looking at different houses. That's, you know, kind of been at the forefront of my mind thinking where are we going to live what what will it look like Um, Fleur's been thinking of where everything's going to go in the house as well Um, but actually these things shouldn't be our our primary thought our primary thought should be about Jesus Mm -hmm. 
You know, that, that's where we need to run to. That's where we need to go. We need to go to Jesus. He's the one who, who should be captivating our thoughts. And I, I think that's what these guys did. They pushed through obstacles. They, they kept on pressing through to Jesus and they led people to him. These men, I want to say, really had faith. And I want to encourage us to, to have faith in Jesus, press through obstacles and pray for the sick. Next, I want us to look at the guy who is at the, the top of the, the title here, the paralytic guy. Uh, he's quite happy here. This is after he's been healed, you'll be wanting to hear. Um, so imagine being that guy. We, we don't actually know how long this guy had been paralytic for. We don't know if it had been um, very recent or whether he'd been born with paralysis. Um, but all we know is that it's quite a nasty disability to have. Um, not being able to walk. And when I was doing my occupational therapy degree in, in Coventry, um, actually they, they put us um, in the place of someone who, who had a disability. So they, they continued to give us stories of real people who had disabilities so that we could empathise with them. But they also went a step further and they did things to us such as blindfold us so we'd know what it would be like to be blind. Uh, they also... Um, got us to go into wheelchairs so that we could see what it's like to be in a wheelchair. And actually, it, it really um, impacted me and affected the way that I act as an occupational therapist now. Uh, I think w that one of the scariest ones was being in a wheelchair um, and someone else being in control of that wheelchair and going down a steep hill <laughs> in Coventry. That was scary. Um, but what, what it helped me to see was you, you've got a whole different eye level when you're in a wheelchair. Um, you're always looking up to people and people are always looking down to you. Um, and actually we, we see that people are, are often talked about in a wheelchair rather than talked to as well. You know, it could be that someone's with them and they'll just talk about that person instead. Uh, so this is a place that you, you perhaps feel disempowered, um, often excluded or marginalised and perhaps in, in that society as well there is perhaps a view that the parents sin or the sin of that person that caused this disability. So there's added marginalisation coming to this guy. Um, what these guys did is that they had come to this uh, paralytic man and they'd valued him. They'd taken the time to go to him and to bring him to Jesus. And if you were that paralytic man used to people perhaps mistreating you, before four guys to come to you and to not give up and bring you to Jesus would have made a huge difference. And actually, that, that's what we should be doing. We, we should be very different in the way that we treat people. All people should be welcome here. All people should be valued here because we're the family of God. Yeah. So I want us to, to perhaps put ourselves in this scene for a moment uh, with that paralytic man. He must have been really pleased that actually now he's getting lowered down into that room where Jesus is preaching. And he lands in front of Jesus, and Jesus' attention goes to that guy. He thinks perhaps his moment has come. He thinks he's just about to be healed. For the first time, he'll be able to walk again. And then these words come, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, that, that really doesn't sound right. If you were that paralytic guy, you'd be pretty miffed, perhaps, with Jesus. We don't, you know, I'm going to take poetic license here. This isn't, doesn't say in the Bible, this is what that guy thought, but actually, that's what I would think, perhaps, if I went in front of Jesus with a very obvious disability, and he just says, your sins are forgiven, I'll be really miffed with him. 
because you can also imagine that huge crowd and the confirmation, that's my sins that have brought me to this place. But actually, it was so much more important for Jesus to talk to him about his sins rather than about his disability. And what we've got with this guy is that perhaps that he might have turned his thoughts and thought, well, is this guy, Jesus, saying that my sin is linked with my disability here? And perhaps, you know, the people around him might have thought that and thought this guy, you know, is clearly unwell because of this. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Um, I don't want us to miss this. We find in, um, in circumstances that are similar to this, so like a blind man in John 9, uh, he clearly says that it was not the man's sin that had caused his disability. And we also find that Jesus takes a similar stance towards disasters when he's asked to give an account for uh, the Galileans suffering a huge disaster in terms of a tower falling on them. He says that it was not the disaster, sorry, it was not them being particularly sinful that caused that to happen. I don't have time to, to fully go into the doctrine of where um, sickness comes from, but can I encourage you to, to look at PJ Smythe's talk about that, uh, the one that we looked at in the summer. That is a, a brilliant overview of it. Um, but just in summary, I just want to say that sickness will always be in this world because, um, because we live in a fallen world. But there will be a day where there will be no sickness uh, when we're in heaven, and that's going to be an awesome day. So Jesus wasn't saying that this man's sin caused his disability. So why then was he saying that his sins were forgiven instead of of healing him first? I want to suggest that it's because sin is the bigger problem here. Our sickness and our disabilities may be hard and cause a great degree of suffering on earth. But as hard as those are, these sufferings are temporary. Just like Nigel was, was sharing earlier on. Actually, his grace is enough for us. And actually, it's not about where we are currently. It's not about the pain and the sickness we go through at the, at the moment. What we're dealing with is a matter of eternity, and that's far more urgent. Where this guy was going was far more important than him being healed at this time. And unless our souls are healed, we'll never be satisfied. And more importantly, it'll affect our eternal destiny. So often we see, see someone's need as their disability and we feel that that's what we've got to solve first. But actually what we first need to do is to solve the matter of, of their broken state. Unless our answers point to Jesus and salvation, we've missed the point of what we're doing. We may do wonderful charitable deeds and we should do that. We may care for the disadvantaged, but actually unless we share the gospel and unless Jesus is the centre of what we're doing, then we've really missed the point. What, what perhaps is the answer to the economic crisis that goes on at the moment? Is it you know, some wonderful device scheme to solve it? Actually, no. The answer to it is Jesus. If people knew Jesus, then they would put economics in the right place. Um, what perhaps is the answer to, to broken families in, in this world? The answer is Jesus, not some wonderful program of, of restoration for them. It's about them coming to know Jesus and then they put their lives in order and we see forgiveness, we see something going on there. The answer is always Jesus. And that's what we see here is that this man came for healing but he got much, much more. Instead his sins were forgiven and he was restored. So we also want to see that this man had faith in Jesus like the, the men who had brought him. 
he had to do something. Jesus told him to rise, pick up his bed and go home. So what did he do? He rose, immediately picked up his bed and went home. That is wonderful faith. And so often we faff around, don't we? Um, You know, Jesus says something to us and we go, I'll I'll do that sometime. I'll I'll do it if you you say that a few more times to me. You know, I need Phil to, to say that word and then I need Denzel to say something else to me and I need Chris to say something to me and then I need a pigeon to, to land over here and then I'll do it. But actually, this is wonderful faith. This is what it's about. Jesus says something and we do it. I don't know where the pigeon came from. It's the first <laughs> thing on my mind. I'm really sorry. Mick gave me a, a book about birds of prey today. I should have used one of those instead. So... Jesus is the one who has planned all the days of our life before one came to be. And if he says something to us, surely it's a good plan for us to follow that. He's not going to be leading us to disaster. He's going to be leading us to him and to his wonderful ways. The last group are these wonderful beardy people. That's why I keep my beards trimmed so that I'm not mistaken for one of these guys. So the scribes. Whilst Jesus was forgiving the man's sin, um, these guys were sat there questioning in their hearts. Jesus, the Son of God, was in their midst and they had questioning in their hearts and were being critical. I don't want to focus too much on these guys, but I just want to say that these guys really missed out. You know, if we look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and we look at all of these rulers who kept on being around the wonderful miracles that that Jesus was doing. These guys were in the midst of the Son of God, and yet they missed out. They missed out so much. They were critical, and they were were perhaps having all of these questions in their minds, and they, they just wouldn't accept that this was Jesus. This was the Son of God. God was in their midst. And I just want to encourage us to to not miss out on God being in our midst. We can miss out on so much of what God is doing by being critical and wondering, well, he's lifted his left arm and he shouldn't have done that. He should have done it with his right arm. You know, we we shouldn't be overcritical, but actually we should look at what is going on. Is it glorifying Jesus? Is this something that's biblical? Is this something that is about him? If it is, then perhaps... We need to just wonder about, well, those ways aren't the ways I would do it. No, that's not important. Let's not miss out on the presence of God. Let's not miss out on him. He's got wonderful things for us, and we just need to open our eyes and to run to him. So can I just ask for, for the band to come up a moment, please? I'm just going to conclude by saying that, that Jesus is the answer to every need that we have. No matter what we're going through, He is the answer, and he's the one that we need to go to. Just as that was brought earlier on, actually Jesus is the one who's the most important one to go to. Jesus cares for us, and he wants us to come to him. So I want to encourage us to be a people who point to Jesus, a people who stir each other to be captivated by him. And I want us to to believe that he is a God who can heal the sick. And I want us to make two very practical responses to that. We're just going to, to play a, a song now. Um, but I would like us to make two responses. Firstly, um, if you're ill or have got a disability here this morning, um, I'd love us to pray for you. So we're, we're going to stand in a moment. Um, but can I ask you to put your hand up 
uh, during this song. And I want us to, to be active and for us to pray for this person. Uh, this is a, a good start for us to put this into action. If we believe that God can heal, then we need to be praying for people. So can we gather around those people and pray for them? Uh, secondly, if you're not a Christian here this morning, um, can I encourage you just to, to come and have a word with me afterwards? Um, we've got one who, who wants to reveal himself to you. And you've heard a little bit about Jesus this morning. So I want want to chat with you after this meeting. So I'll be at the front. Just come and chat with me. And I want to tell you more about him and how you can respond to what we've been talking about.